Welcome to Killer Kush Podcast, a podcast where we smoke and talk about killers, caspers, and cryptids. My name's Nick. My pronouns are they, he. My name's Claire. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome to episode 54? That's a question, not a statement. It could, it could be 54. It I could not be 54. Check. We'll find out. And drum roll, please. It is episode... 54. 54, I was right. Welcome to episode 54, everyone. Welcome. Claire, how has your week been? Mm-hmm. Oh, you labeled your notes 55, though. Rot row. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Wait, uh, is just it really... a little update. <laughs> I will no longer be doing any stories on... A man. Ever? <laughs> After the last, the last podcast. You're like, no men stories? Ever? That's what you're deciding after that podcast? You're no, just done with men? After, done with Casey, because I did Dogman. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, and maybe there's also a goat man, because that was something I was seeing on Reddit. Oh. And I was like, actually, no. No I, more man no stories. No more men. <laughs> No more not men. Not a man. Not in my life. No more man cryptids. Yeah. I feel that. That's funny. No, just no men. It is episode 55 today. Oh, fart. Uh, we were wrong. <laughs> episode 55. Welcome. Me was wrong. Me was wrong. Anyway, um, how was your week, Clarn? A roller coaster. Yeah. Found it on Monday. I have ADHD. Got Adderall on Tuesday. <laughs> Adderall <laughs> started taking it on Thursday. Today's day two. Yeah, that was an eventful. That is an eventful week. week. Yeah. How do you feel? So fast. Good. Crazy. <laughs> Little bonkers. Yeah, your body just needs time to get used to it. Yeah. Nico was like, "No, it it just works. It just does it." I was like, "Okay." Well, for some people, probably, but for some other people, I guarantee your body just needs time to get used to it, just like any other chemical yeah. you put in your body. Yeah. You know, like some people have good reactions, some people have a rocky start and then fall into a healthy habit, you know? Yeah. Especially because they say people can build a tolerance to it. So I'm like, obviously, your body metabolizes it different yeah. throughout time. Yeah. So we'll see on, on a journey to... to Get my shit together in my brain. And your brain. You have been on a mental health journey recently, and I'm very proud of you for it. You've been working on yourself so much. Financially, it's hurting. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, mentally, I'm good. How expensive it is just to like try to seek mental health. Yeah. Yeah. It's inaccessible. Literally. They were like, oh, no, no, it's pretty normal, like what you're paying. Like, before you reach your deductible and blah blah blah, I was like, "Uh, oh, that's bad. That's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible." And supposedly I have good insurance. I'm like, "This is the good one. This is how it is. This is this how it works." Is the good one. Yeah, I have bad I hate insurance. To see the bad, which yeah, I used to have bad. So well, but I didn't get how it worked. I still don't understand how insurance works. No one taught me. There should be classes about insurance in high school. 
That's actually a good idea. Insurance class. I feel like people have joked about that forever. Nobody ever took it seriously. <laughs> but now we need it, you know? like Now more than ever. Yeah, maybe it's a college elective. I still would have taken it. I know. That still increases inaccessibility because it's a college class, not a high school class, and not everybody goes to college, but at least then right. maybe I would know, and I could help people that don't know, but I don't even know. No, and everyone's plans are, are different and equally bad, just in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Don't understand insurance. If you do, if you're an insurance person out there, please reach out to us. We have so many questions for you. We have an insurance episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Killer Kush, put where we talk about in insurance. And put a pin in the the goblins, the ghouls, the ghosts. Yeah. Bring on. Insurance agent. <laughs> Insert. We need insurance agents. We need tax advice, mm. maybe. Yeah. I'd love some tax advice. I would love if somebody came on and could teach me how to invest my money. Yeah, I would also love that. What's a Roth IRA? No clue what a Roth IRA is. That sounds like a cool name. Right? Roth IRA. That sounds like a band name. (laughs) I want to get into it. I think I want to get into a Roth IRA. (laughs) Yeah, I have no clue what that is. Um, I agree. I think that if you're out there in the world and you are knowledgeable in any of those things, reach out to us. Maybe we'll have you on for like the session or something and we can have an educational. That would be so fun. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Claire's just nodding. Claire's like, yes, good idea. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, oh, make content with how little I know. (laughs) Easy. Teach me something. Teach me something. I'm I'm sick of reading. I'm sick of reacting like I read. (laughs) We all know how last episode went. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. It went well. For anyone that bared through that, thank you. It was it was a good episode. There was just so many tangents. So many tangents last episode. Yeah. That's why Casey's not here this week. We kicked him off. We said, listen, <laughs> you got to go. I can barely focus when just Nick is talking. <laughs> Let alone two Let of alone. us. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway um how are you feeling this week oh i'm feeling pretty okay this week today's been a rough day but other than today i've been feeling pretty good we got invited my collective got invited to perform at navy pier which is really awesome as part of the art exhibit at navy pier i don't know it's part of expo chicago so it's like in i have a rendering of like the artist's installation Hmm. so it'll be around the installation oh cool We're creating a whole new piece in like three weeks for it, which is really nerve wracking and exciting, but it's going to be really really cool because it's like two founders, two company members and two Wolfpack members. So it's like an even distribution of like who the collective is. Um, And the piece will be some choreography, some improvisation. The sound score was made by one of the other founders of the collective. So it's like a whole team effort for us to do this and we're getting paid for it. It's our first paid gig. That is so exciting. So how did you find out about it? Uh, We got asked by somebody that's a part of like this large Chicago dance forum Mm -hmm. that we have worked with before for an unpaid gig. And they were like, hey, first of all, the unpaid gig might be paid this year. So like keep an eye out for that. And also we have this other gig that we would love if you did. And we were like, hell yeah, we're down to clown. So here we are. Is there a theme to it? Because you're dancing around an art installation? Yeah, it's about water and about 
like contamination. And so our piece is going to be about the same thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. So, yeah. Can can we plug to the to the podcast people to to watch you perform? Yeah, it's on April fifteenth at three a.m. at Navy Pier. Three a.m. I mean three p.m. Well, what if it really was at three a.m.? I was like, oh god, are you gonna make it? <laughs> I'm in bed by eight, girly. I, mean, I would not be are you making sure you're that. Are make that? That's like when you get up for truck. Yeah, yeah. No. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Not a.m. Yeah, way less concerning. But yeah, come check it out. It'll be a really cool experience if you're in the Chicagoland area. I should put that on my calendar. Hell yeah. I love it. Um, what else has been happening this week? The SOMI system, the experimental technology that I have that creates movement into sound, the app came out. The beta testing part of the app came out and I signed up for it and they sent me the thing today and I can't get it to work. So there's that. So you that. got approved for the demo? Yeah, I did, but I can't get it to work. So we'll figure it out another day. I was just too stressed out Is there a customer service today. line now that you can call? I'm talking to the CEO directly when wow. I email them. Like I have his contact and he responds to me. That's very cool. But I feel like I annoy him a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, hey, me don't know how to do none of this technology. Please help me. Well, it is Please. new technology. Exactly. And so they're still learning it too. Like, they're like, yeah, some I'm sure the questions happen. that you're asking are helpful for them developing it because other people are going to have those questions too. Exactly. No questions dumb unless you don't ask it. <laughs> Someone said that to me today or this week in my oh. corporate job. Oh. And I said... There are dumb questions. I'm dumb. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm illiterate, okay? I'm dumb. God. I'm dumb and I'm on Adderall. <laughs> I'm dumb and I'm on Adderall. Uh, I can't keep anything to myself. My medications. Things that people just don't share. Like, I'm like, who wants to know? An open book. Yeah, almost to a fault. Nobody needs to know all this. It gives us it gives us a sense of vulnerability. I got a lot of that. <laughs> Don't want to do it. Too much. All right, uh, let's switch over to the session, and we'll be back. You bud. And we're back. Hi. Hello, Claire. This week, do you want to hear what my story is about? It's about a killer named Marcel Petio. Have you oh, heard of Marcel Petio? No. Well. Is it anything like Marcel Lachelle? Nothing like Marcel Lachelle <laughs> with shoes on. You really can't trust a Marcel. You really can't trust a Marcel. Have you met a Marcel in real life? Yeah, I have. But I, the Marcel I've met is pretty nice. Oh, really? Yeah. The ones I've known are pretty awful. Oh, that sucks. You never know. You never know, I guess. So anyway, thank you to Wikipedia this week. I got my whole story from Wikipedia. If I wrote in the notes, if you had a dick, I would, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, if Wikipedia had a dick. You would suck it? Would I? Me too. (laughs) Me too. At the same time. All right. uh, So anyway, into the story. 
Marcel André Henry Félix Petiot was born on January 17, 1897, in north central France. Side fact, the last name Petiot means little one. It's like Bambino means little boy, you know? Petiot means little one. Little guy. Which is kind of a cute name. I don't know. Marcel Little One. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a gentle person, but I'm guessing... It's, he's not, so... Not, not <laughs> a gentle, Get that thought out your mind. boy. At the age of 11, Marcel fired his father's gun in class and propositioned a female classmate for sex. Oh, 11? So, already by 11, he is At not 11, being I good. At 11, I would not know. Sex? Yeah. I don't think at 11... Nowadays, I feel like children know about sex really, really early because of the internet and like Maybe. media. But I feel like back then in nineteen or eighteen ninety seven, like how were they knowing about sex so young unless they were exposed yeah. to it at home? And like, sex wasn't talked about freely. Yeah. So culturally, just, like it is now. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just a radical action for a young boy. That's a crazy guy right there. During his teenage years, he robbed a post box and was charged with damage of public property and theft. Marcel was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation, resulting in charges being dismissed when it was ruled that he had mental illness. Later accounts make various claims of Marcel's delinquency and criminal acts during his youth, but it is unknown whether they were invented afterwards for public consumption. Basically, people are like, there are so many stories about him when he was younger that... Like, we don't know if they're true or not. Mm. So I just kind of don't talk about them because I don't want to be spreading lies. And it was the 1800s. Yeah, like, how much do we really know yeah. now? Who knows how this was documented and retold. Yeah. But something that is true was on March 26, 1914, another psychiatrist reaffirmed Marcel's mental illness. So now two psychiatrists are being like, he's extremely mentally ill. It's making him do these actions. Good on them. But also, like, what are we doing to help him with yeah. that? Because okay. what was their help back then? Lobotomy. Full frontal, baby. After being expelled from school many times, he finished his education in a special academy in Paris in July 1915. Marcel volunteered for the French Army in World War I, entering service in January 1916. He was wounded and gassed during the Second Battle of Ice... Eisne, A-I-S-N-E, if you want to, I'm assuming it's a French one, but I don't know how to speak French, so I don't know how to say that. And after that, he exhibited more symptoms of a mental breakdown. So him being wounded and gassed during this battle just like kept on deteriorating his mental health. Marcel was sent to various rest homes where he was arrested for stealing army blankets, morphine, and other army supplies, as well as wallets, photographs, and letters. He then was sent to jail in Orleans. So he'd just be stealing. And he'd be stealing things that are like, make no sense sometimes. Like, why are you stealing photographs and letters from people? Yeah. Like, he'd just be stealing. That's the yeah, like klepto behavior because it's not about. The I talk about kleptomania <laughs> in a little yeah. bit, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, in a psychiatric hospital, Marcel was again diagnosed with various mental illnesses, but was returned to the front in June 1918. 
He was transferred three weeks later after he allegedly injured his own foot with a grenade, but was attached to a new <laughs> troop in September. Did it blow up? <laughs> yeah. He, like, almost blew up his foot with a grenade. And just the foot was hurt? Yeah. All right. Dumb, dumb man. But they were like, get back at it, champ. Like, tapped him on the ass and sent him on his way. They were like, back to a new troop. Like, nobody escapes the war. A diagnosis from a different doctor was enough to get him discharged with a disability pension. So finally, after three, three diagnoses, he's like... It takes three to get, him, <laughs> to get yeah. the gun out of his hand? Literally. Literally. All right. After the war, Marcel entered an accelerated education program intended for war veterans, completed medical school in eight months, and became an intern at the mental health hospital. Uh, Completed medical school in eight months. How long does medical school... Yeah, literally, (laughs) back in 19... Eight months? I can't even get a master's in eight months. No. Medical school takes so long to do. Eight months, girly, because it's an accelerated program. Like, you did not learn shit in that eight months. Wait, I'm sorry. I do not want my doctor to accelerate <laughs> through. <laughs> can you can you go through it slowly? Yeah, literally. <laughs> At your own pace. At your own pace. So now he starts working in a mental health hospital as well, which I just thought was uh, a hot take. That's a very hot take. Well, it seems like he's attending. Maybe he gets like a little employee discount. Yeah, maybe he gets to like learn the inside scoop. That seems like it would make me more mentally ill to both work yeah. at a place that I should be attending. Yeah, attending. I agree. I don't know how to, what the proper Held verbiage. At? Yeah. It depends if you're criminal or not, I guess, is the verbiage of it. Yeah. Which he is. He is. Not yet. He's not really. I mean, he did... He's had some running. He's done some things, but not technically a criminal yet. Okay. He received his medical degree in December 1921 and relocated, where he received payment for his services both from patients and from government medical assistance funds. At this time, Marcel was already using addictive narcotics. So he's an addict. On top of mental illness is cool. Yeah. While working, he gained reputation for dubious medical practices, with such as supplying narcotics and performing illegal abortions, as well as petty theft. He, oh. Marcel's first murder victim might have been Louise Delaveau, an elderly patient's daughter with whom he had an affair in 1926. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Just like, his thing is, I'm gonna take your baby and take your purse. Yeah. Literally, take your baby, take your purse, <laughs> give me everything. I'm stealing it. He's you, Claire. <laughs> A little you know, stealer. Performing abortions left, right. Honestly, I Taken wish we could nowadays. Just what I can find. Yeah, I wish we could perform safe and healthy abortions because that needs be to be so more cool accessible fun, now. Right? It probably wasn't safe or healthy back then, though. So I don't know if I support him doing it. You know, it's really funny and weird. I've never met anybody that actually uses like the shitty wire hangers. Like, yeah, the I think it's just a trope. You. Uh, Jacob does. Jacob uses them. Yeah, and every time I look at them, I'm like, "Are you gonna give me an abortion with this?" <laughs> or no? Or no? Back that up. I don't know. 
I don't know. I think Sometimes that's a leaves stereotype. The paper on, but that I don't paper ass shit around the wire. Does he, how often does he get his clothes dry cleaned? He doesn't. Then why does he have those hangers? Because his dad just like they always used them. I know. I'm like, get some plastic hangers. I know. I'm like, even the thrift store has thicker plastic hangers than this shit ass wire one. Sometimes it takes three just to hold up a heavy shirt. Literally, yeah. Weak ass motherfuckers. Damn. I hate them. I hate them. I refuse to even look at them, touch them. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you feel so passionate about these wire hangers. I just hangers. had to speak my truth here. <laughs> Go on. I had to get that out. Yeah. I didn't have time in therapy. Okay, I get it. To unpack this hanger. Well, I'm glad we could do it here. <laughs> Thank you. For a public audience. Feeling better about it. <sighs> Delavo disappeared. <laughs> Delavo disappeared during May of that year, and neighbors later said they had seen Marcel load a trunk into his car. Police investigated, but eventually dismissed her case as a runaway. That same year, Marcel campaigned for mayor and hired somebody to disrupt a political debate with his opponent. He won, and while in office, he embezzled town's funds. So Marcel became mayor. Isn't it crazy that people could just... Bounce do around. that back then a little eight month stint become a doctor perform some like abortions on the side become mayor become, like what, run away for like a year come back yeah mayor. kill somebody become mayor huh wild wild west yeah where is this again france oh france yeah it's a different time different time different place europe's Europe's Europeans. The Europe's. <laughs> the Europe's. The next year, Marcel married Georgette Leblay, a 23-year-old daughter of a wealthy landowner and butcher. Their son, Gerhardt, was born on... Gerhardt? A- mm-hmm. G-E-R-H-A-R-D-T. D-T. Yeah. Was born in April 1928. He eventually was suspended as mayor on August 1931 and resigned. However, Marcel still had many supporters, and the village council also resigned in sympathy with him. He then relocated to Paris. So basically, they were like, yo, dude, you're embezzling town funds. You gotta go. And so when Worst he quit, everybody else was like, we liked him. We're leaving too. And so everybody quit. So they were just well, left without a town council too. Which I thought was crazy. What? Yeah. And then he moved to Paris. He was like, I'm getting out of this hellhole. Let me move. Wow. Yeah. Do people follow him to Paris? No, I don't think so. Okay. In Paris, Marcel attracted patients by using fake credentials and built an impressive reputation for his practice. However, there were rumors of illegal abortions and excessive prescriptions of addictive remedies. In 1936, Marcel was appointed civil registrar with authority to write death certificates. That same year, he was institutionalized briefly for kleptomania, but was released the next year. And then I said, for those who don't know what being a klepto is, it's a mental health disorder that involves repeatedly being unable to resist urges to steal items that you generally don't need. Gotcha. So it doesn't qualify if you do need the items? No. Like, being a klepto is like... Stealing things that you just don't need. 
like the letters and the other stuff that he stole when he was, you know, doing all that shit, just like stealing random stuff that he didn't really need, but he just stole. Yeah. And it's also interesting that he was like uh institutionalized for it. Like not put in jail yeah, for jail. it, <laughs> but was institutionalized for it. I mean, honestly, that could be more helpful for kleptomaniac, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays they'd be like jail. Jails. Right to the slammer. Yeah, they would be. After the 1940 German defeat of France, French citizens were drafted for forced labor in Germany. Marcel provided false medical disability certificates to people who were drafted. He also, which is kind of a slay. Like, that's kind of a slay. I'm like, okay, he was trying to get people not to have to do the forced labor camps. Like, yeah. He also treated the illnesses of workers who had returned. In July 1942, he was convicted of overprescribing narcotics, even though two addicts who would have testified against him had disappeared. Oh. They just disappeared. In those days. It's so easy to... Take someone out. Disappear one day. Right? You know? Never know. He was fined 2,400 francs for the... Francs. Francs. I love Franks. That. Franks. Francs. Um, I imagine like frogs. Frogs. It's fine. Two thousand four hundred frogs for the for for the crime. Oh, but they're like wearing a beret, little mustache. Oh, little frogs. Little French frogs. That's cute. Little French frogs. I love that. Having a lot of thoughts about that. (laughs) Streaming, streaming, streaming. Coming back. Coming back. Marcel later claimed that during the period of German occupation, he was engaged in resistance activities. He supposedly developed secret weapons that killed Germans without leaving forensic evidence, planted booby traps all over Paris, and had high-level meetings with Allied commanders. That's not hard with the forensic evidence. They had no way. No forensic evidence back then, yeah. They had not even probably a camera. Yeah, no, it was bare bones (laughs) back then. It's your word. It's your word versus That's what? That's the evidence. Um, and he worked with a non-existent group of Spanish anti-fascists. But there's no evidence of any of these statements. So he just said these things. Okay. He was like, yeah, I have I've was a rebel and did all of these things. He was probably saying a lot of things. Yeah. Who was it? Well. Marcel's most lucrative activity during the occupation was his false escape route. Using codename Dr. Eugene... He pretended to have means of getting people wanted by the Germans or the French government to safety outside of France. Marcel claimed that he could arrange passage to Argentina or elsewhere in South America through Portugal for a price of 25,000 francs per person. Hmm. So this is when we start getting into the the murder. The murder. I was wondering when it was when coming. The bulk, the bulk of the murder. Yeah. It is coming. So the three accomplices, Raoul Foyer, Edmund Pintard, and Rene Gustave Nezodet, directed victims to Dr. Eugene, including Jews, resistance fighters, and ordinary criminals. Once victims were in his control, Marcel told them that Argentine officials required them all entrants to the country be vaccinated against disease. And with this excuse, he injected them with cyanide. Oh. So he would have people pay him money 
for an escape route out, specifically like the Jewish people Aww. that were like looking for an escape, Aww. would then inject them with cyanide, dispose of the body, That's and steal everything on them. It's not. That's like, not very girl boss anti fascist of you. No, it's horrible. It's disgusting. That's really fucked. He then, yeah, took all of their valuables and disposed of the bodies. At first, Marcel dumped the bodies in Seine, which is a river uh, in France, but he later destroyed the bodies by submerging them in quicklime or incinerating them. Whoa. And quicklime is a term for calcium oxide. I didn't know that before. No, I didn't either. In 1941, Marcel bought a house. He purchased the house the same week that Henry Lafront returned to Paris with money and permission from the German military intelligence agency to recruit new members for the French Gestapo. And Gestapos are the secret Nazi police. Oh. So this person named Henry Lafront returned to Paris with, like, the money being, like, if you join the secret Nazi police of Paris, we'll give you some money. To tell us who like the Jews are and who the frequent or the resistance fighters are. So the Gestapo eventually learned about the route for the escape of wanted persons, which they presumed as part of the resistance. Gestapo agent Robert Ledcombe forced prisoner Yvonne Dreyfus to approach the supposed network, but Dreyfus simply vanished. So basically they were like, We're going to catch them. We're going to send you in. You're going to be like they're trafficking people, basically. And we're going to get you out and we're going to bust them. Mm -hmm. But instead, Dreyfus disappeared because Dreyfus was killed. A later informer successfully infiltrated the operation and the Gestapo arrested Fourier, Pintard, and Nezuday, the three other people in the scheme. During torture, they confessed that Dr. Eugene... The whole, like, that's what they called it, was, like, going to see Dr. Eugene, was actually Marcel Petio. Mm. Later on, one of them was released, but the three others spent eight months in prison. That's it. Even during torture, they did not identify the other members of the resistance because they knew none of them. The Gasapo released the three men in January 1944. So when they were all, they were all in it for the money. None of them were a part of the resistance, but when they were being tortured, they were like, tell us who's a part of the resistance. Like, you need to give us names, give us places. And they couldn't give anything because they couldn't get out of being tortured. Oh. Which is, I think, funny. Like, they deserve it after killing people that were already in need. And yeah, true. During the Holocaust when all of these horrible things were happening. Like, Literally, they ended up all being on the same team. Yeah. Killing Jews. Yeah, literally. On March 11th, 1944, Marcel's neighbors complained to police of a foul stench in the area and large amounts of smoke billowing from a chimney of the house. Fearing a chimney fire, the police called on the firemen, who entered the house and found a great fire in a coal stove in the basement. In the fire and scattered in the basement were human remains. So he's busted. In the house? He's just... Just murdering them, taking them to the basement. But I mean, like, how many killers just take them to the basement and try to dispose of them, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a frequent, that's like a trope. You know, like, it happens all the time. Yeah. It's a little obvious. Yeah. Yeah. The foul stench coming from the fucking... And also, they didn't have, like, AC and shit back then either, so it was probably horrible. 
Yeah, it's not like he's putting the bodies in a freezer. Yeah. In addition to those found in his basement, human remains were also found in a pit partially filled with quicklime in the backyard and in a canvas bag. In his home, enough body parts were found to account for at least 10 victims. The scattered throughout, also scattered throughout his property were suitcases, clothing, and assorted property of the victims. So he just kind of like tried to bury the evidence in his backyard. It always works out, doesn't it? Yeah. Perfect place to put it. Yeah. Just bury it. During the next seven months, Marcel hid with his friends, claiming that the Gestapo wanted him and had, because he had killed Germans and informers. He eventually began living with the patient and let his beard grow and adapted various aliases. During the liberation of Paris in 1944, Marcel adopted the name Henry Valerie, where he joined the French forces of the interior called FFI in the uprising. He became a captain in charge of counter-espionage and prisoner interrogations. I feel like this man has lived so many lifetimes. Lives. Yeah. And in the 1800s, they're not living very long. No. He's not living until his... It's 1940, so he's probably, like, in his late 40s right now doing this. Damn. About to die. Thank God. Getting old. When the newspaper published an article about Marcel, his defense attorney from 1942, Narcotics Case, received a letter in which Marcel claimed the published allegations were mere lies. So he was like, hey, old friend, old pal, help me clear my name. And then this gave a hint to the police that Marcel was still in Paris, and the search began anew with the Henry Valerie amongst those who were drafted to find him. So literally him himself, being a part of FFI, was sent to find him, like Marcel. Finally, on October 31st, Marcel was recognized at a Paris metro station and was arrested. Among his possessions were a pistol, 31,700 francs, and 50 sets of identification documents. Marcel was imprisoned in La Santé prison. He claimed that he was innocent and that he only killed the enemies of France. He said that he had discovered a pile of bodies in the house when he bought it in 1944 and had presumed that they were just killed by collaborators of the resistance network. And they just left them. And then you bought the house and you're like, cool. I got to take care of these bodies. Like, that's the worst thing to leave Ugh. behind in the house. You know? Oh, like, I hate when... They leave the, 10 bodies behind. I oh, I no. I my cold stone. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Nobody's believing that. Nobody's believing that. Not a good liar. So, however, even though he was, like, uh, talked about the resistance network all the time and all of that stuff, police found that Marcel had no friends in any of the major resistance groups. Some of the resistance groups he had spoke of never even existed, and there was no proof of any of his claimed exploits. So prosecutors eventually charged him with at least 27 murders for profit, and their estimate of his gains was at least 200 million francs. Marcel was tried on March 19, 1946, accused of 135 criminal charges, so, like, murder, theft, like, the dismemberment, like, all of those charges totaled to 132, or 135. He admitted to killing 19 of the 27 victims found in his house and claimed that they were Germans and collaborators, part of a total of 63 enemies killed, 
and the enemies isn't a quote like he in trial kept on calling them enemies trying to like less victimize them yeah when they were actually like jewish people and people of the resistance yeah marcel was convicted of 26 counts of murder and sentenced to death on may 25th 1946 petio was beheaded after a stay of a few days due to a problem with the release mechanism of the guillotine and he was buried at ivory cemetery and that is a story of marcel petio wow what a turd what a turd nugget. That guy. What a what a not good person. Yeah, he sucks. Like taking these people that are already scared and then injuring them further when you're supposed to be giving them hope is such a horrible yeah. thing. Where did the Wikipedia article like did it say where it got its information from? Yeah, it like cites the if you go on Wikipedia you can follow along and cite all right. of the sources. But do you know like if the information was it coming from his telling of the story like i just i don't think so some of this comes from i don't think it's really telling from his side of the story it's kind of telling through his story you know like it's he's trying to be like i have i've done all of these things when in actuality it's like he hasn't done any of these things but this must have been written yeah to have been passed down from late 1800s yeah but i mean it's also like in court documentation and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so it's written from like a perspective of that you know yeah okay but yeah that's marcel kind of a piece of shit marcel the piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah fuck that guy fuck that guy claire you know what time it is three sentence summary i'm ready for it this time yeah marcel petillo sounds like a cute name but actually he is a piece of shit. Period. <laughs> Great first sentence. I'll tell you why he is a piece of shit, comma. He killed upwards of 27 people, stole a lot of shit, did crime, did drugs, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Then he was gonna be guillotined, but guillotine was out of order. <laughs> this is so funny. Guillotine was closed for maintenance. Yeah, even the guillotine didn't want him. So, beheaded instead. Goodbye, Marcel. Period. Period. Great three sentence summary. Thank you. That was absolutely fantastic. You're doing a fantastic job at that now. I, I think I, I get it. You've mastered it. I mastered it. You've mastered it. I love that. Um, Claire, girl boss, gatekeep, gaslight, go. Hmm. I didn't think about this. Like some usually I'll prep it. Yeah, like I'm. Like, how am I feeling? It's good to check in mm-hmm. with yourself. Yeah. Um. You go. I'm feeling gaslit by anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm how sorry. I'm feeling. I'm feeling... I'm going to say overall, girl boss, that a goal of mine for a while was to go back to therapy and to find things that work for me and better habits for myself. And I've been on a journey. 
And it's been great. Yeah. So yeah. I've done I've done some big things. You have this year so far, and I'm like, wow. Go you. Girl boss, thank you. It's a girl boss moment. Proud of you. Um are we gonna podcast next week on the birthday trip? We should. That'd be fun. <gasps> we should. Next week, stay tuned for a big old episode. Birthday episode. Birthday Claire. episode. My yeah. Pisces sister. Your Pisces sister. So cute. All right. Well, you know where to find us. We're on social media at Podcast. You can click the link in the bio to submit a sound of the week, to submit a listener story, and also subscribe to our freaking Patreon. You can subscribe for as low as $5 a month to get episodes early. $10 gives you episodes early and another podcast that we do called The Session. Uh, it's really good. Like, our best work is there, and you can go back and listen to all the good episodes once you've paid even. Yeah, you can just go back and listen $10. to all of them, all of the sessions that we've yeah. done. Um, also, if you do the $10 a month one, we start sending you free merch every three months, I'm pretty sure. You get yes. free merch from us. So, that's also a thing that you can do. We love you. Tears, baby. We'll see you. We love you. Kisses. Bye. Bye. <laughs>